Hello, and welcome to the first official Brotherly Love Eagles podcast. I'm Matt go, 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 go! <laughs> joined by my brother, Greg GT Graham. As you can tell, a lot of uh, excitement that we're actually 1-0 to start the season. It was a little, gotta, di- uh, a little dicey there for a while. I got I to gotta cool down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sweating. My palms are sweating. I'm all fired up. I always get it, you know, you and I both get a good palm lather going <laughs> in any Eagles fourth quarter because, of course, it's, it's we never run away with it. Every once in a while, but yeah, it's usually rare. And in this case, we looked like we were totally dominating, and then that pick six really changed the game, and then it looked like they were going to do typical Eagles fashion of giving it away. And yet, in the end persevered and and had a pretty pretty impressive victory yeah and I, i'd argue well i'm kind of i'm kind of leading leading the witness here but <laughs> to address the elephant in the room um the like lombardi peterson controversy I, I feel like this game was almost in support of lombardi's thesis i think this game we totally won because of schwartz and the defense and Wentz making incredible improvisational plays um, within the framework of Peterson's shoddy play calling. Uh, if I had to just kind of like summarize it in in like a couple sentences, right? We got four four turnovers, right? Um, our third down efficiency was like awesome at fifty three percent, but mostly probably because of Wentz's reads and his accuracy. And like his ability to evade the rush, and less because of of Peterson's play calling. Well, I think I hate that wide receiver screen. We talked about it over text during the game. It's just it it they tried to run it three or four times, and every time it was a total failure. Whether it was uh, Aguilar or Jeffrey, both both times, any any scenario, it wasn't working. The plays that work is when Wentz can throw down the field. That's what he likes to do. That's what he's comfortable with. Right. Like, I don't understand why you even have those rinky-dinky pass plays that aren't going to get you much. You know, especially when he's comfortable in the pocket. He's looking to throw down field. He's checking down. He's looking at, you know, across the field. I just, I just don't get why you even have that in your, in your playbook. So, going, going back to this, I think this is a great point. So... Um, I, I was kind of tracking like the missed opportunities section because I think, you know, what made us increasingly nervous throughout the game is the defense was, was turning out turnovers and forcing, you know, bad third down conversion stats from the Redskins. They were only 30% converting on third down. So the, the best example was we get the set in the first half, we get a sack fumble, uh, on that kind of interior blitz, Jordan Hicks gets the recovery. We get the ball back. I think we, we pick up a couple first down first downs, and we have second and nine on Washington's 34. And Peterson calls a backward pass floater screen oh, to that Aguilar was, that on was a reverse misdirection. bad play call. Terrible and, yeah, play sure, call. I think at the time, Rondé Barber was saying, you know, like, yeah – Wentz didn't exactly put that pass on the money, but why is Peterson putting him in that situation in the first place? That's that's all on Peterson. Yeah, why do you why are you throwing a lateral? I mean, because like nothing good can happen. Maybe maybe it wasn't supposed to be a lateral, but you know it sure looked like that was the play call. And then we have so so that's kind of my example number one of Peterson might be stupid in support <laughs> of Lombardi. The, the second big one, and this is all kind of pivoting off of, like, the opportunities that the defense creates. So 
Um, Washington right there at, I think, uh, third down at the fill, third and six at the Eagles 14. And, um, uh, sorry, Schwartz dials up a blitz again, and it was principally, I think, Hicks and Jenkins on kind of these, like, interior stunt blitzes that were actually pretty effective. We had gone to it early and then um, had been less successful in the second and third quarter, but we went back to it. Cousins misses Crowder, who's wide open on the crossing route. Yeah, he would have walked, walked into, into the, the end zone. zone. Yeah, But, you know, call it a calculated risk on, on Schwartz's part. And it paid off. You know, he is a bit of a gambler, which I, which I think we all like. Right, but then, okay, so the offense uh, gets back on the field. Um, we get a few conversions again. I think, I think on that drive, correct me if I'm wrong, is when Wentz kind of, uh, he evaded the rush again, and he kind of had that Pittsburgh-esque uh, floater sideline throw to Ertz. Yeah, for 23 and, yards. I think that yeah, was that drive. Then, yeah, and when we get bogged down, it's 39 at the 50. And, and guess what? Like a, wide receiver screen. Wide receiver screen to the right to Aguilar <laughs> for negative no, that, I think yards. That was, I think was that, it was either Aguilar or Jeffrey. I can't remember. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. I mean, to, and that's the thing. It's, it's not Aguilar's fault. It's not Wentz's fault. Um, first of all, it seems like, you know, okay, and then I have, okay, I have another example of this. But just to put those two kind of seal them in one section, it's like we go to these wide receiver screens that the Redskins are completely prepared for because none of the seal blocks are working, right? And then at one point in the second half, we have third and 12 on the Washington 24, and Peterson goes back to this um, play we probably ran like eight times a game last year where we fake a screen to the left and then come back to Sproles on the right. And the that's, a, that's an Andy Reid classic. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and, and this is the point that Lombardi was making, and I think yeah, it's a good one, which is, in hiring Doug Peterson, the Eagles are uh, basically buying Andy Reid's playbook and having like a cover artist use Andy <laughs> Reid's playbook. And he used the analogy of, yeah, I think it was like, you know, Emeril Lagasse has a restaurant and you and your friends decide you're going to steal the menu and then cook all the same things, except Emeril Lagasse's not cooking it. It's someone else. And <laughs> as I feel like, he, I think that's a, that's an on the nose critique. And I think, <laughs> This game kind of bored out. It wasn't, you know, like Peterson's play calling that was pivotal. It was, you know, Wentz's execution um, in critical moments and improvisation. And it was Schwartz's defensive game plan, which was excellent and, and well executed. I think you're being a little hard on Peterson. I think, I mean, we'll see throughout the season. But, I mean, they did win the game. So <laughs> it's hard to win in the NFL, but I think I agree. I think the wide receiver, anytime, and Reed was the same way. So as I, as I said to you is that, you know, if you're, if you are in the Reed school, you're going to do some dumb things because it's just in your DNA. So they're good at, <laughs> they're good at game planning, but then like any, calling timeout. With, anytime you just get too cute yeah. with a play calling, it's like, why are you getting cute? Wentz yeah. is showing us he can throw downfield. He's confident throwing down the field. Why are you taking? Why are you limiting his what he's best at by doing these cute little wide receiver screens or you know these screen passes where you fake one way and go the other? It's just I just don't know why you do that when they're getting ten yards a pop. Ertz seemed to be open all game. It just it just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, he gets a well. Yeah, you're right. It's the Reed school, but you know, you get times where it's almost like they're impressed with their own cleverness. They're like, well, yeah. they won't see this one coming. Yeah. And then they double down on it. It's like, okay, yeah. after it hasn't worked one or two times, let's just throw it out. Let's. See. I think we're done for the day with a wide receiver screen. So, but let me 
so I think, um, but let me just kind of add some context to this matchup, right? Just using like last year's stats, and obviously, like, so the Redskins have a couple key changes, right? Their their defense is basically unrecognizable from last year. Um, they lose Deshaun Jackson, but well, besides they, they, Eagle Killer Kerrigan, who added the pick six, yeah, that's right. But just to kind of like baseline this matchup before going into the game, right? What were what, what were like the relative ranks and strengths of every team? And again, I'm looking at you know DVOA, so this is kind of like situationally adjusted team metrics. The Eagles in 2016 were ranked 20th offensively, so kind of in like the bottom third of the league. Defense, we finished at number four, and special teams at number one. Um, and, it, you know, that's always something I think we forget, that we, like, still have Dave Phipp, who's this, like, miracle worker on special teams, right? So we our, 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 our strengths coming into the game are defense and special teams. The Redskins in 2016 were fifth in offense, 25th in defense, and 14th in special teams. Right, so there's kind of this, like, uh, yin and yang with the Eagles-Redskins matchup. And I think the difference in this game was, you know, our defense, which is um, virtually like has the same strengths as last year and the Redskins offense, which looked like it it kind of had some like rhythm issues and execution issues, you know, with like prior replacing Jackson and Reed not being 100 percent Jordan Reed. But like against that context, I think the difference, you know, this week and this is probably maybe an argument in your favor is our offense wasn't like the 20th ranked DVOA offense. We were, we were executing better. Our third down efficiency was 53%. Last year it was 38%. So um, that's where the mar- you saw the marginal improvement and our special teams were, were stellar as usual. So I, I do think, you know, if offense is where Peterson's going to kind of make the marginal improvements, you kind of saw it today. But I felt like it was more a byproduct of Wentz and his development than it was of Peterson giving Wentz the right kind of like framework of play calling to work with him. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And if, if, if that's, if that's the case and I'll, I'll take it that we have the franchise QB, that's the thing I'm most worried about because you know, if he's the real deal that, that makes the Eagles much more formidable than just a good defense with an average quarterback. Right. So speaking of Carson Wentz, uh, we're, we're always going to lead. We kind of uh, talked about him already. But so in, in general, I think he had a great game. But I do think this is going to be the issue all year is he's going to make some really dumb mistakes. Like, you right. saw, like <laughs> even if that ball's not tipped, he should never make that throw. Right. Yeah, I think uh, so. I'll just like to ground us all right. Wentz, his stat line. Uh, today is 26 for 39, so exactly like 67% completion percentage. 307 yards, so his yards per attempt uh, were up at, at, at around 8, 7.9. Two TDs, one interception. So, you know, it's, obviously it's a one-game sample size, but last year his completion percentage was closer to 62%. Right, he would usually throw like one TD, one interception. And I don't have his yards per attempt from last year but probably not up at 7.9. So from a statistics perspective, um, he looked great. But I think you're right. There's kind of like a lot of outliers within that stat line. You know, and he could have easily had more than one pick. He could have, it could have been two TDs, four interceptions. And then he, he, he missed Torrey yeah. Smith wide open in the fourth quarter. That could have put the game away before we had to worry about the Fletcher, Cla- uh, Fletcher Cox play. And he had him open on our first offensive play. Yeah. And he underthrew him. Yeah. 
Um, so I think, you know, I kind of had like a missed opportunity section that I was, I was, um, you know, tracking as the game went on. And I counted like the Redskins had like, honestly, at least three dropped interceptions. Um, and uh, maybe a couple more. Josh Norman almost um, robbed him over the middle. There was that one 50-50 ball towards the end of the first half to Jeffrey that could have easily been picked off. And there are a couple other like deep routes. There was one Tory Tory Smith route of the middle. I forget who the cornerback was, but that could have been picked off. So you're you're right. But then you know the other side of like that volatility is you know he evades pressure on the first touchdown, which is like a highlight real play. It's a hell and of a play. Is it, it, only only play. him and like Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. There's only a few guys that can make that play. Right. Exactly. Um, so that was incredible to see, and I think, and then obviously we talked about the Earth's play where he kind of again evaded the rush and kind of did that gumdrop throw down the left sideline that he kind of did to Sproles last year in the Pittsburgh game. Yeah, so but that I think you're right. That's what you get with Wentz is you get the spectacular and the kind of like the boneheaded where he's he's kind of still making some some fixed reads um, and locking in on receivers. Um, and I actually don't mind the Jeffrey throws. Those are like taking a shot down the field, and if it's intercepted, oh, I don't either. You know, yeah. those don't bother me. But that 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 pick six was just that was just a throw you can't make. Well, I yeah. I struggle. I mean, that that one was tipped, but I think you're right. Like, kind of the there was a it was well, tipped, it was, but it was still in double coverage. I I, th- yeah, I, was, I don't think the tip really made much of there's just made the interception a little easier. I think he makes some. I, again, I don't know if this is is we talked about in the, in the preseason. I don't know if it's Peterson's coaching, but it does seem like um, one of his safety valve maneuvers is if Sproles is on the field, they'll kind of give Sproles an out route and. Wentz knows if he is highly accurate with that throw that, you know, Sproles is going to catch it kind of like in a low outside uh, pocket where no one else can get it. And that's what he was trying to do there. I think you're right. That is, it's just like too risky with, with a double coverage on the outside. I mean, in general, I'm mostly very excited for the start to his season. I think, I think it was good that they had adversity, you know, because they're up 13 nothing. Looks like they're going to steamroll them. They, they throw the pick six. The momentum's totally killed. And then they sh- he shows a lot of heart in the second half to keep, to keep them ahead. And then, and then, of course, the defense stepped up at the end. Yeah. It, it also, it, it's, and also, it's a divisional win. We had dropped, what did we drop? Five, five in a row, in a row yeah. to the Redskins. And I, it had become like this, but it had become this weird thing, I think, over the last two and a half years where – you know, we would play the Redskins, and I think, like, as Eagles fans, we just, like, through our history in the Reed era, had been conditioned to think we should beat the Redskins at least half the time. So it was, like, every time it was a surprise that we would lose to the Redskins. Um, so that it was good to completely, like, break that. It all made me think, I don't know, here, a question for you, but, like, at this point, as, like, an Eagles fan, I'm so much happier to have Wentz and see, like, the opening he had than to be a Washington fan and still kind of be in this like cousins purgatory where you don't know which guy is going to show up. Right. And he kind of had these, he's these like key moments where he'll have bad turnovers and the Jamison Crowder, like miss crossing route where he threw the interception of the 14 is a classic example. So in terms of like the balance of, you know, uh, optimism within the division, I'm so much, so much happier to have Wentz than I am to have cousins. Yeah, that's a, so I was on uh, Jamie Mottram's Mr. Irrelevant podcast, which is a Redskins podcast, and 
he likes cousins and he thinks that they should keep him long term. But I and maybe they should, but I agree with you. I'd much rather have Wentz. I just feel like there's so much more upside with Wentz, whereas, you know, I think with cousins you get what you get. So if you have a lot of weapons around him, he'll he's a great uh efficiency of running an offense, but he's never gonna make that play that you're like, wow, that was an amazing play. Right. So uh in honor of our favorite uh Philadelphia journalist, Ray Didinger, what was your Ray Didinger impact play of the game? Yeah, so well for you know, obviously as a Philadelphia fan fan, I was assuming we were gonna blow the game the entire game after the first quarter. So I thought it was gonna be um the pick six to Kerrigan. Um but obviously it turned out to be Redskins, you know, third and six from the Eagles fourteen. And through some luck and some intervention on Schwartz's part, uh, Cousins throws the interception to, to Jalen Mills, who didn't have the best game, uh, but he was kind of in the right place at the right time on that overthrow. So I, I think that was clearly like the, the pivotal play, even though we didn't discreetly capitalize on it um, because we threw that stupid wide receiver screen at the 50. <laughs> um, it did flip the field, and it, it felt like the balance of momentum was in the Redskins' favor. So that kind of that kind of like um, reversed the momentum that I think had been stolen from us at the end of the second half with our pick six. Are you in love with Jim Schwartz because he's a Georgetown grad? Uh, yes, obviously <laughs> I am. Um, I'm in love with Bradley Cooper, Jim Schwartz, and Bill Clinton. Uh, no, I maybe I I don't know if you've read anything about this, but you know so the rumor mill is saying that Schwartz is kind of like internally positioning himself as the next head coach if oh. peterson is at all on like the hot seat and i don't know right. if that's just like complete conjecture but it, it kind of makes sense right like schwartz was a head coach and he did have success with detroit it was kind of like a serial disaster of a franchise um obviously his his issue is like he seems so he's obviously an incredible defensive schemer and he has this like um, riverboat personality that I think fits in well with Philadelphia. Almost like a, like a, he's almost like a new age buddy Ryan in that sense, but he doesn't seem like detail oriented enough to be a head coach. Like when he was the head coach of the lions, they had a lot of disciplinary issues. There are certain games where they didn't seem like pre- completely prepared holistically. Um, so I don't know if I'm begging for that, um, necessarily, but I do think that Jim Schwartz is like the best you can buy from a defensive game planning standpoint. I agree. I, I think I, I, the one thing about him being head coach, though, sometimes the fiery defensive coordinator is great as the fiery defensive coordinator, but when exactly, he Buddy the, Ryan. Yeah. yeah, but when he becomes the head coach, that that fiery tends to wear players pretty thin pretty soon. So I know you're ready to already fire Doug Peterson after this one and that was start, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think we, we need to give it some time. Um, and for, but those, no, I, for those who I, didn't know, we're both Georgetown grads. That's why I, I made that comment. Anyway. Yeah, uh, totally. Um, but I do think, I don't necessarily think, like with Doug P- Peterson at the helm, we're probably, maybe he's good enough to game plan us into a playoff position. But when you think about all the plays at the margins that determine like who wins the Super Bowl or who gets to championship games. And this was like, you know, the problem in the Reed era ultimately is, you know, is Peterson the guy that's going to situationally prepare your team for victory in the playoffs, you know, the way that the great coaches do or even the very good. And I just like, that's where I think, you know, 
if this game is a microcosm in last season where we kind of struggled to, to win in, in tight games, yeah, I think that's why you know, if, you have, if you take the long view of Peterson, he's not going to equip you to win in the playoffs. I don't think Schwartz does either. either. So I think the solution is external, but I'd love to just like, you know, keep Schwartz around as a defensive coordinator for as long as we can. Well, of course, yeah, because I think the defense is the strength of the team right now. But I think, I think uh, you know, like I said, I think, you, I think you're being a little tough on Peterson. But, you know, <laughs> time will tell. And let's be honest, it still, comes, it still comes down to the players. I mean, Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl where he was awful. Every, every stat that you see and when you saw it, he could barely make a throw over 10 yards, but they had an amazing defense. He was, a, he was a walking skeleton. Yeah, so, you know, players, players still win the games, and I think you, if you have a franchise quarterback and a good defense, you always have a shot. Did you notice that, um, did you notice, like, the, I'm, I won't even call it a high five because it was so poorly executed, the attempted high five between Schwartz and Peterson at the end of the game? No, I missed that. It was like they're walking past each other, Peterson – goes for like a high five and Schwartz just kind of limply puts his hand up and there's kind of an awkward like closed hand around an open hand you know almost like when (laughs) you try to high five your uncle but he's like he didn't grow up high fiving people or like when you go in for a pound but someone else goes in for a high five so you just end up punching their palm it was kind of like that and i feel like you know that says something about their chemistry there's oh my probably gosh. a little tension there <laughs> you're just <laughs> relentless with the peterson magic <laughs> anyway my ray didinger impact play of the game uh i think you made a great choice and just like you i had a bunch written down of us losing the pick six that ter- yeah. <laughs> that terrible Bradham penalty when we had them stopped on third down in their own territory and they marched right down the field afterwards. But right. I think I think the Cox uh fumble uh well Brandon Graham forced the fumble and then Cox T D that looked like an incomplete pass to And it definitely was seal the game because <laughs> if that's incomplete, you know, Cousins still has a chance to win the game. So you know, that was that was a nice cherry on top. And then as soon as I saw the I, – I was screaming so loudly thinking we had won the game because it looked – in real time, it looked obvious that it was a fumble. And then when I saw the re- replay, I was like, oh, no, that's a forward pass. So I was shocked that the, the refs actually didn't overturn it. But I know the calls now come from New York. But like I said, I didn't feel bad because on the pick six, there was an obvious hands to the face to win. So the refs were a little inconsistent all day. Yeah, I also had down here uh, just to kind of like – Yo, even though there's a clearly the Ray Dittinger, uh Matt Blatt auto splat of the game pivotal <laughs> moments. Uh, no, that's have, Mike Quick. That's Mike yeah, Quick. Yeah, no, I know. Do, are they still doing Matt Blatt auto splat? I, I don't even know. I don't know. So we'll have to have um, our fans write in <laughs> tell, and us. tell us if that's the case. But also the um, so I, I talked to, I talked before about you know there's some missed opportunities that we had off of like turnovers and, and the big one was we had the sack fumble in the in the first first quarter that Hicks recovered and then Peterson calls that back fumble play but then on the other side Crowder has the muff punt um I think in the second quarter and off of that drive we had like the passing TD to blunt where we kind of had that like mixed misdirection goal line play call um so I think that was the other kind of pivotal moment that maybe in the grand scheme of things offset the pick six that we threw. Because how often 
do you get a muff punt in the NFL? You know, that's not going to happen every game. No. So I, that was the other one I had that we actually converted yeah. on. Uh, and um, we also – this this didn't come to fruition, but Bradham also had a dropped INT on the first defensive possession. Oh, yeah, that could yeah. have easily been a pick six. So um, – but, again, I, this is why I'm kind of saying – you know, you remember back in the Reed era, um, it was Andy Reed at the helm who was, you know, for all his faults, a great kind of pre-game game planner. But you also had – um, Jim Johnson, who kind of ran the defense um, in a very delegated way where Reed was not really involved. Um, and I feel like we've returned to that model. And, uh, you know, I'm just looking at the defensive line play. The linebackers, I think, overall were pretty decent. And the secondary by committee after the Darby in, uh, injury, which sucks, um, was, like, respectable. So that's why I'm kind of going back to, like, Schwartz deserves a lot of credit for Well, the, yeah, for the you victory. compared Schwartz to Buddy Ryan, and I think the better, the better comparison is Jim Johnson. They, they call, a very yeah, simil- yeah, yeah. call a very similar game. So yeah, that, that's why, right. why don't we get into uh, what was your most pleasant surprise from this game? You know, I actually had written down uh, – so I think, you know, Tim Jernigan – uh, on the interior was a, a pleasant surprise. I felt like he was very effective in disruption. But probably more surprising was uh, we'd seen some of it in the preseason, but Patrick Robinson had a couple of plays where, like, he had crashed down on running plays and made some really impressive tackles. And there was one play where Pryor didn't run, like, a great route, but it was kind of just like a fly route down the sideline, and Robinson was there with him step for step and Pryor just wasn't able to make a play, even though it was like a decent throw from Cousins because Robinson was with them the whole time. So after the Darby injury, they kind of, right, they were leaning on Robinson as kind of the outside corner, and he did, did a decent job on, on Pryor a couple times, even though he's kind of undersized from a length perspective. So I, I thought that was really pleasantly surprising. Mills also played pretty, pretty solidly today. So that was, that was a pleasant surprise from the, the second-year player that you know, was a big question mark. You know, I think we'll get we'll get into Ronald Darby in a minute because that was probably my biggest disappointment. My most pleasant surprise was Vitae coming in oh. for an injured Jason Peters. The last time he played the Redskins, he had a hellish game, gave up three <laughs> yeah. sacks, was awful, didn't look like he should be in the NFL. Peterson right. got crushed for even starting him. And, you know, he did a great job. I mean he did a solid serviceable job when Peters was out the rest of the game. And that was, that was huge, you know, especially playing left tackle. You know, I was, I couldn't believe that, you know, the offense was still able to march down the field, you know, sure. You know, it's nice when you have someone like Carson who can move around the pocket and, and make some plays out of, you know, guaranteed sacks. But for the most part, you know, that was, that was my most pleasant surprise because, you know, once Peters went out, you were, you were getting really nervous, especially, their second biggest inju- second big injury of the day, but you know that was a really that was a really good job by the uh, by Vitae. No, I think you're right, and uh, well, I think with Mills and Vitae, they're kind of like young guys who were, who still had moments of like inconsistency today. But I think you're right that um, encouraging signs, at least that they, you know, especially Vitae wasn't like an utter liability. And then also, I actually had down here and meant to mention it before, but. Aguilar was like super productive today. He had six catches, I think, for eighty-six yards. Let me pull. I had the... I had him written down. He had a great first half. So did Blunt, and I was 
But then, you know, both kind of disappear in the second half, especially uh, Blunt. But, you know, I think all the reservations in the preseason, you know, I think we see what's what LeGarrette Blunt can do, run between the tackles, you know, hard to take down. And that was that was great to see. But, yeah, Algalar, you know, was was definitely uh, definitely seems to be much more comfortable in the slot. And like seeing him having no pressure on him, I think definitely helps, too. Yeah. So he was six receptions. 86 yards he was targeted eight times so 14 yards per catch and then he had obviously had the td so a lot of that so he basically had the 56 yarder from Wentz for the td and then you know five more receptions for 30 yards but he drops that ball last year that was a nice catch and he drops it after lining up illegally yeah (laughs) um negating the catch even if he had made it um alshon not like a really so i guess i being like the disappointing camp although I wouldn't say I was and then you know Ertz kind of did what we were expecting him to do this is kind of like his stat line um, that he should be producing at eight receptions for 93 yards eight targets so every time he was targeted he caught it well Ertz Um, is definitely Wentz's security blanket you know they're close they're close off the field you know anytime it's a big third down he you know he that's a security blanket but you know as as Eagles fans who've done it, watching Witten for how many years do it on us every third down, it's nice to have a tight end that feels reliable on every third down. And I think differently about this year, and it's been, it's been talked about, but tactically speaking, you kind of have, you know, you look at this, this stat line and it's, you know, Alshon and Torrey Smith didn't have big kind of like eye-popping uh, stats days. But it did feel like because they were on the field, Ertz and Aguilar had opportunities that would otherwise be denied to them because of the coverage you have to dedicate to Jeffrey and Smith. And it felt like that, you know, you know that's really you know, Roseman's engineering. Uh, but, you know, it felt like that was, you know, the design of those free agent acquisitions. And it, it did seem to work that it kind of gave our younger players who struggled last year at times um, more space to operate. Yeah, but Jeffrey's got to make one of those catches. He didn't make any of the catches where it was a 50-50 ball. And if you're a true number one receiver, you make at least one of those plays. Yeah, no, on my, on my disappointment side, I had Blunt and, and Jeffrey. Oh, yeah, Blunt? Smith. You had Blunt as a disappointment. Yeah, so his, so his stat line, 14 rushes, 46 yards, 3.3 average yards per carry. So last year he was at, I think, 3.9. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. That sounds like a LeGarrette Blunt stat line to me. <laughs> yeah, but it, it felt like uh, – so obviously there was the third and – there was the third and three uh, in Washington territory at the end of the game where, you know, that's where our offense should be closing things out. And he didn't get the first down, so we went to that just spectacularly bad fourth and one where Peterson tried to draw them off sides and then burned a timeout that was like – total read era game management but it just felt like there are a couple of short yardage situations where you know that's the entire reason we picked up blunt and he didn't pick him up and it wasn't like the offensive line got completely blown up it's like he's just supposed to have so much power that you have like decent offensive line performance and he'll always get you three yards when you need it and i just well there's that's a, the whole there point was a third it. and one where it was the offensive line's fault. He had no shot. There was two, there was two guys in the backfield before, when he got the ball. So, but you know, I wasn't. Uh, that's what I expect out of Garrett Blunt. I am concerned about the running back situation. Seeing all these great running backs in the league now, I, I was disappointed with Smallwood actually. You know, because Sproles is always going to be Sproles, but Smallwood didn't do much of anything. 
Yeah, he only got four touches, though. Okay. So it'd be good. No, I agree with you. It's like, we, I think we were kind of expecting more out of him, but I felt like it was just a problem with sample size. If right. he gets, so Blunt got 14 touches, you know, small, uh, Smallwood got four, Sproles got two. I'm talking about rushing touches. Right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he did pick know, up I, that big third down conversion Smallwood did on that pass play. You know, I'd rather see, you know, and overall our rushing attempts were at 18, so 20 with running backs, which is a little light for a 30 to 17 outcome. But, you know, I'd rather see Blunt with seven and Smallwood with seven. You know, uh, uh, you know well, some, some rebalancing like that. Or I'd also like nine. to have him a little more committed to the run. I felt like they right. pretty much like Andy Reid. Uh, abandon the run right away and never really go back to it. <laughs> Although I think, it, yeah, it um, it seemed to work okay at the beginning of the game. I think what one started six for seven and then he started cooling off a little bit. Uh, not opposed to it because, you know, it's something that, you know, the Patriots pioneered of just like coming out in the opening series and only throwing, right? So I think it's it can be smart to kind of wrong foot a defensive game plan but i think you're right at some point you have to kind of balance the play calling you know so that at the end of the game there there are more rushing attempts yeah we didn't see today well my biggest disappointment was ronald darby i think he'll be out of the year that that did not look good you know when you see the replay definitely broke yeah his ankle yeah it was was disgusting (laughs) yeah so that's definitely my biggest disappointment. He, he looked great in the preseason. He looked really good in the beginning of the game. And then it was one of those, just like Eric Berry on Thursday night, just one of those freak plays. It's a non-contact injury. And I think, I think, unfortunately, I think he'll be out for the year. So did you think that on that score, we were doing it early in the game regardless, and this is Schwartz's style, but you know, we have, we have some good, like, disguise blitz packages that we're using. We brought Robinson a couple times. We brought Jenkins. We would bring, you know, Jenkins with a linebacker or Robinson with, excuse me, with a linebacker. Um, you know, that worked against Cousins and crucially on that interception where he should have hit Crowder. But, you know, in the, the, you know, thinking ahead, not obviously getting too far ahead of ourselves, but, you know, late in the season or in the playoffs, you know, God willing, if we make it, that's where you get. Con- that's where a lack of depth of any kind in the secondary concerns you, right? Because against the best quarterbacks, those blitz packages will kind of be revealed over the season, and one of the elite quarterbacks won't won't make the mistakes that that Cousins made in this game. Yeah, the the defense is the, if they're going to be a great defense, it's the front four getting pressure on the quarterback without blitz help, and it's fine right. to bring blitz sometimes, but that's if they're going to be a great defense this year, it's not. <laughs> Again, it's not going to come from the secondary. But I thought the secondary in general played well. But we'll see, like you said, when they go up against, you know, the Giants who have a lot of great receivers and teams like that in their division where, you know, uh, it's getting pressure on the quarterback. Right. My other big disappointments besides the Ronald Darby injury were, like I said, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, of course, the wide receiver screen. (laughs) (laughs) And then still third down defense is still an issue. You know, there's too many third down plays where they they let the Redskins stay on the field. Well, yeah, I disagree. Um, You're allowed to disagree with me. Yeah, I'll disagree. (laughs) So third down efficiency, Washington was three for 10. Last year, they were fifth in the league at 45%. So we we held them to 30%. I guess um, yeah. Towards the fourth quarter, then they they did hold them. Now they, now but I agree. There, 
there was that window, you know, in the second quarter, where it looked like we were just going to be swamped by Washington's adjustments. And it felt like Jay Gruden, between Gruden and Cousins, they'd figured out a way to kind of neutralize the pass rush, pass rush, uh, excuse me, pass rush that was swamping Cousins early in the game. But, but you're right. We did, it was worrisome and it felt like we were just kind of like a sieve on third down. But I think late in the game, we were able to seal it up. That Bradham play especially is what's in my crawl. I guess it's one specific third down play. I just hate it. Like third and long, we had Cousins sack deep in their own territory and it's the defensive holding five yard automatic first down. Yeah. Although to, Br- you know, to Bradham's credit, so he, you know, it's early in the game. He has that missed INT where he makes a great read. And then when we have them, you know, backed up on their on their goal line basically late in the game um, where they went three and out. They tried to run that pick play with Jordan Reed where he picked off Bradham and there was a, there was a wheel route coming out of the backfield with Chris Thompson, I think, and Bradham stuck with him the entire way. So I, I, mean, I think that's what you get with Bradham. He has like he's, – he's a high volatility, you know, uh, player. Like he'll make a great play and then a, and a stupid play and – you know, that's what you expect out of him because he brought a gun to an airport. So, <laughs> did the good with the bad. Some, I, I'll give someone else credit for. I can't remember who said it, but Hicks is so underrated. The guy is a stud. I mean, he's, he's such a good player, and I think he's very much underappreciated outside, you know, diehard Eagles fans. You know, yeah, he's well, just one yeah, of the best linebackers right. in the league, I think. Yeah, you're right. And even Rondé Barber, I think, called it out earlier i think you're right like i'm within football he's a known commodity but ronde barber kind of pointed out that he's a guy that's always on the ball he has like incredible in-game instincts and it was on display today it's like you know he's our mic right so he's the signal caller on defense right and uh the pivotal plays we were talking about he gets the recovery in that first quarter strip sack and then it's the blitz um that um, Hicks and Jenkins run when Washington's on our 14 yard line that leads to the interception. So he kind of has this, he he's always at the center of these pivotal plays. I think you're completely right. And um, you know, maybe was he, was he injured at all last year or was that the year before? I think that's been his only knock is he struggled a little bit with injuries. Yeah. He, he, he went out for the year. I can't remember. was, Two years ago, I think he went out for the year with the torn pack. Yeah. And he was out for periods last year. But I do think you're right that um, we're more of an elite defense when he's there as kind of the, the brainchild you know, and Schwartz's proxy on the field. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think Bradham is Schwartz's proxy on the field, but I think Hicks is the, is the line, star linebacker. Yeah. So as we're going to do every week, based on uh, the 1-0 start, what is your ridiculously <laughs> early season record prediction now? Uh, so I think the consensus, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the consensus view, I'm just like reading what I've read in you know, Eagles media and, and elsewhere. We're, we're basically a 500 team. I think you know, our over-under would be 8-8. Eight and eight. Would you agree with that based on like kind of the consensus view of, of like, you know, the, the Eagles media and, and external media? Most places you I was thinking was around nine and seven, but not making the playoffs. And then a couple of, you know, I think Adam Schefter had them winning, winning the NFC. So, you know, it's either a pleasant surprise or, you know, out of the playoffs with, you know, eight and eight, nine and seven. 
Yeah, I think, you know, so for me, going into the year, is kind of like eight and eight is our over-under. That's how I think about it, if it were, if it were a betting line. Um, and I, I think this, this victory, because, again, the Redskins last year um, finish at eight, seven, and one, but overall team DVOA, they're the number eight team in the league. So against top 10 competition in the, in the division, you know, I kind of weight this win pretty highly. So I'd say, you know, it gives me more confidence that we could edge towards nine and seven and, you know, optimistically 10 and six. And, and we, we talked about this in our earlier podcast, but you know, if Wentz is, if Wentz makes the typical second year jump, you know, if you kind of do the the stats predictions on like what the second year jump is usually for a rookie that starts all 16 games, you know, when should up his TD production to closer to 24 TDs, he only had 16 last year. If we play out his stat line from today, you know, he's going to throw for 4,900 yards, 32 touchdowns and 16 interceptions, which would be a great second season for him. So if he can match that output and cut down on like the, almost surefire interceptions he threw today is that you know they got dropped you know i'd put us at nine and seven or ten and six but ten and six feels like an over rotation um so i'm still sticking to like a nine and seven just like over the the over under i have for our season yeah as you know i was a little more optimistic than you i was feeling really good about this team and i was looking at ten and six with maybe a division title but after that that darby injury now I'm thinking I'm thinking right around nine and seven. I think that's long term. I think that's going to hurt us. I think the secondary will get exposed some games, and I think you know that'll be something that we'll have to keep an eye on. Unless unless the front four becomes totally dominant, then you can get away with a little a little weakness on the secondary. But I generally I'm still feeling great. Carson Wentz is you know through one game. Looking like he's definitely making the progress. He's still going to make some big mistakes, but we know that that's he, he has that gunslinger mentality. You know that's what we like about him, but that's also what gets him in trouble sometimes. So I'm definitely looking at nine and seven as well. But you know, I think this was almost you know as early games go. You know, you just with KC next week, it's good that they got that victory because they would have been pretty much staring zero two in the face if they lost this one. Yeah. Um... And then there's a, there's different. Speaking of, by the way, KC next week. It's like this is the Super Bowl of like late game mismanagement. <laughs> it's gonna be like if if all goes to plan, it's gonna be like within the two minute drill of both halves. There's gonna be like you know six timeouts called, <laughs> um, fourteen wide receiver screens, a backward pass fumble. Uh, you know, a neatly telegraphed run play that gets stopped for a four-yard loss. You know, I think that's what we can expect. But, yeah, I think, you know, for us, and, and I don't expect us, it would be great to make the playoffs this year, but it's almost kind of irrelevant because if we make the playoffs, like, there's no way we're getting to the, you know, the conference championship, in my opinion. Um, you never know. It, I mean, you, if, you never if the know. defense becomes great, if you have a – great defense anything can happen and if you have a great defense with a franchise QB I do think it's still early but you never know especially in today's NFL yeah but I think you know a nine and seven where Wentz has a stat line that resembles today right like 30 touchdowns 15 interceptions you know an average of 300 yards a game and a a completion percentage closer to 66 percent and we kind of just have like this 
big liability in our secondary created by the Darby in- injury. If we kind of finish at like nine and seven there, you know, that is like a, a definitely a victory for the season and possibly some clarity around what Pearson really is. And I think like the litmus test for the season is going to be, you know, so you, you kind of had, again, it felt like Peterson's playbook today was not entirely innovative. It was pretty predictable against what he did last year. And Wentz, I think, bailed out Peterson pretty often on the play-calling framework that he gave him. As the season wears on, and this happened to us last year, like if Peterson remains as predictable as he is and kind of gets cutesy at the wrong, the wrong junctures, you know, then that will be a big point of exposure. And you know, that'll, for our record, that'll be the difference between being 7-9 to nine again or being 9-7. and seven. What I'm hoping is that at the end of the year we see – Wentz progress and we're, we're just like clear on what Peterson is and whether or not we should continue forward with him as our coach but I'm well, keeping an open mind well we'll, we'll see and uh, that's the initial brotherly love Eagles podcast with my brother Doug Peterson Basher <laughs> and Greg, Jim Schwartz worshiper yeah Greg Graham and, and myself Matt Graham we'll, we'll catch you next week our goal is to always have the podcast out a couple hours after after final whistle so we can get it up and you guys can listen and we welcome any and all feedback so thanks a lot and we'll talk to you next time